Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend... MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, recording in the Vivid Seat studio with a reminder to use promo code OVERTIME for when you use the Vivid Seats mobile app for $100 off your first purchase. Today is part nine of our 10-part season preview series for the 2019 New York Jets, looking at the biggest questions that will determine whether or not they will ultimately be a playoff team. Today, we are going to focus on the cornerback position, namely who the hell is going to play cornerback this year. And tomorrow, we will wrap by looking at the pass rush. If you missed the previous episodes, they are all available on this feed on iTunes. Please subscribe, rate, review. Podcast is also on Spotify and Google Play and shared through turnonthejets.com and my Twitter feed at jcaparoso. Uh, episodes that we have previously done, Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, Robbie Anderson, the offensive line, how the Jets will fill in the gaps left behind by Chris Herndon and Avery Williamson, uh, a closer look at if the Leonard Williams will get a second contract, and a closer look at if Adam Gase has learned anything from his time in Miami. Those were the previous eight episodes. Today is nine. Tomorrow will be the finale uh, for episode 10. And then on Thursday, we'll actually have 11 straight days of episode because Thursday we're going to have a, a talk with Connor Rogers previewing Jets Bills and sort of a wider preview overall for the team's 2019 season. Uh, the 30 predictions for the Jets 2019 season, our annual article is out on the website. Uh, We will have our normal weekly 12-pack live on Friday. So, with all of that admin work out of the way, uh, let's talk about the cornerback position. Like the previous episodes on this podcast, we'll go for about 20 minutes. Uh, At cornerback, the New York Jets somehow have found themselves in a position where, currently on paper, it's fair to argue they have the worst group of cornerbacks in the NFL which seems almost mind-boggling when you think in the recent history of this franchise and the type of collateral that's been invested on it. And I know some of this goes back pretty far, but you know, when you think about the Jets in this era, the first thing that you kind of think of is this heavy investment in the defensive line and in the cornerback position. That goes back to Darrell Rivas, Antonio Cromartie, then using a first-round pick on Kyle Wilson when they already had those guys. 
taking D. Milner in the first round in 2013. Uh, when McCagnan first took over, spending a ton of money to bring Revis and Cromartie back along with Buster Screen. Uh, and then in the years following that, uh, investing heavily in Tremaine Johnson, uh, using mid-round draft picks on Justin Burris, uh, a late-round pick on Jeremy Clark, Derek Jones, and recently Blasson Austin, uh, to try to find some answers at this position. As it stands now, the projected starters will be Tremaine Johnson, who is supposed to play week one but missed all of the preseason and is coming off a pretty ugly debut season for the team, banged up, got fined and suspended for being late to meetings, and then was out there, was really inconsistent. Daryl Roberts, who has been a backup on the team for the past few years and you know, has been good in that role. Is he ready to be a 16-game starter? We're, you know, we're going to find out pretty fast. And then Brian Poole, which was really only their mark, their only marquee addition at this position in the offseason. He was signed as a replacement for Buster Screen. Uh, Poole, really promising rookie year in Atlanta, and since you know struggled a little bit the past few years, which is why they let him walk. He should be at least a lateral move, if not a slight improvement over what Screen was for this defense, but... You know, I wouldn't call him one of the best slot corners in the league. He's probably middle of the road uh, if you're looking league-wide. So basically, your starters are a guy who looked to be over the hill last year in Tremaine Johnson, and I don't think anyone could confidently call a lead corner anymore. Uh, A guy who's been a backup for his entire NFL career, and Darrell Roberts, who's now a starter, and then sort of a middle-of-the-road slot corner. Your top two backups are currently Nate Hairston, who the team traded for less than a week ago. Uh, he played predominantly in the slot for the Colts last year, but got benched and didn't play at all down the stretch, didn't log a defensive snap in either of their playoff games or in their Week 17 game. Uh, and Arthur Mollett, who is a journeyman who the Jets signed uh, during OTAs, I believe. Right now they are only carrying five cornerbacks, which doesn't really seem sustainable. I'm curious to see if by the time we even release this, if another veteran has been added, because five is really risky, especially when your base defense is three corners and Tremaine Johnson's been banged up. They did add Bennett Jackson on a waiver claim. He was a guy who was drafted as a safety, played safety in college. He has played a little corner uh, in training camps and practices in the pros. Worth noting that He's been in the league for four years, has never made a 53-man roster, and never played a regular season snap. So counting on him for, you know, to really be a difference maker at corner is probably not pragmatic. Uh, I personally would feel a lot better if a guy like Marcus Cooper was still on the back of the roster, and maybe that happens at some point. But all the names that could really come in at this point are not answers, and you're not going to feel good about anybody who's brought in because if they're available still, there's a reason they're available, and it's because they're not very good. Uh, this is not going to be a one-year fix for Joe Douglas. This is going to be a multi-year process rebuilding the entire secondary around Jamal Adams. That's going to involve better strategic investment in free agency and more of a focus in the draft. You know, we, we talked a little bit about the draft pick spent in the past five years, and corner, similar to offensive line, has really been neglected. Uh, you know, you look at that 2015 class uh no cornerbacks. You look at that 2016 class. Justin Burris was a fourth-round pick and is out of the league at this point, to my knowledge. Um, 
They take the late round flyers on Derek Jones and Jeremy Clark, both of whom are not on the 53-man roster. Those are six-round picks. And then they use a pick on Blasson Austin, who directly goes directly to IR, and I'm not sure we'll ever really play a snap here. So no, you know, first round picks, no second round picks, no even, uh, you know, third round picks uh, at that spot. Uh, and that's showing now, just like it's kind of showing on the offensive line and showing a pass rush. So, you know, the Jets are going to have to use some draft capital uh, at that position, uh, higher draft capital than they have previously, because, you know, Tremaine Johnson's contract is a beast. And I'm very curious to see with how this year goes, if they decide to just eat the dead money and move on uh, and not have him, you know, as a 31-year-old guy out there eating up that much cap space and, you know, being a liability on the outside. It's going to depend if he could have, you know, some type of bounce-back season. I don't think it's fair to assume just because, you know, he played his best football, Greg Williams, you know, four years ago, that he's all of a sudden going to revert to the player he was when he was 26, when he's 30. I think the best the Jets can hope is that he's healthy and he is 80 to 85 percent of the player he was with the Rams. And if he can do that, he's a capable starter. And, you know, you hope that Daryl Roberts plays a little over his head and Brian Poole goes back to the guy he was when he was a rookie. And those guys stay healthy. And then you're sort of okay at corner. You're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but you're not, you know, the 2014 Jets where it's a total train wreck and it becomes a major liability. Now, the Jets, we've talked about how the early part of the schedule is really going to test their offensive line and, you know, test Sam Darnold. It's not like 2014 where they were playing all these massive passing attacks early in the year. If you remember, they played Green Bay, they played Chicago when Cutler was still halfway decent with Jeffrey, um, and they, they were loaded at receiver. The other guy, the other name is slipping my mind right now, but, you know, they were stacked up then. Uh, the Lions had a good passing attack, and they kind of came in and they just mowed the Jets down three weeks in a row because of their problems in the secondary. Um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the case this year. Buffalo is a run-heavy team. You get them out of the gate. Cleveland, of course, is going to be a wide-open attack, and we know what New England can do with Tom Brady. But then you get Dallas, which is going to be more of a run-first team as well. Philly will be tough, and then you go back to New England again. So it's not easy, but with Dallas and Buffalo, at least, I don't think you're dealing with you know high-octane passing offenses. And then you get into the next part of the schedule. You get to play Jacksonville. You get to play Miami twice. Uh, you're obviously going to get Buffalo again at the end of the year. Um, you'll get an Oakland team that who knows what's going to be going on with Antonio Brown, and then you get probably two rookie quarterbacks in Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones by the time the Jets play the Giants. So uh, there are going to be some weeks they'll be able to overcome their problems in the secondary. Uh, it might not be when they're playing New England or Philadelphia, but when they're playing a Jacksonville or a Redskins or... Uh, even maybe the Giants, if Jones is struggling a little bit out of the gate, or well, they'll be able to mask some of those problems. But, you know, it's going to be a matter of health. And kind of similar to offensive line, these three guys have not played together because Tremaine Johnson didn't play in the preseason. You know, we haven't we didn't see a ton of Darrell Roberts in the preseason, which is fine. Poole was okay in the preseason. He was out there. Uh, and it's just... This is going to have to be a Band-Aid year. And where can you get reps? Who's going to be that fourth corner? Is Hairston going to go back to being kind of the player he was his rookie year and early in his second year? Can Mollett give them you know, a handful of reps here or there or handle starting a game if Tremaine Johnson gets hurt? These are going to be tough questions to answer. And 
is this a position theoretically the Jets could address in the middle of the year with a trade if they start better than expected? Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question. You know, they start four and two when they really see themselves as a wild card contender. Could I see them giving up some draft capital to maybe making an aggressive move? It's not out of the question, but it's more likely that they're going to use some high draft picks on corner next year. They're probably going to cut ties from Tremaine Johnson, and they're going to see where they can make some additions uh, in free agency. And it, it was really surprising and you know unwise the Jets were not more aggressive at outside corner uh, in free agency. Uh, this past year, um, and we're going to just have to see, you know, ultimately, you know, how that shakes out. You know, if they were to make a trade in the middle of the year, with all the maneuvering that they've recently done, I think they're back to even on their draft pick. So they got a conditional seventh rounder back for Perry Nickerson somehow, uh, which compensates the co- conditional seventh they gave up for Alex Lewis. So they're squared away in the seventh round. They got an extra pick for Darren Lee, but they traded that away for Hairston. So I believe as it stands now, the Jets have seven picks, one in each round. So if they wanted to part ways potentially with the pick, if things got that desperate, it's not completely out of the question. It's not ideal. I do think Joe Douglas probably wants to go with a full collection of picks into his first draft. But, you know, this position is one injury away from really, you know, desperate times. Because let's say hypothetically Tremaine Johnson aggravates his hamstring week one against Buffalo. As it stands now, that means you're basically starting Hairston, who just joined the team, uh, Poole, and Daryl Roberts with Arthur Mullet as your top backup. And it's going to be common for the Jets to play with four corners out there, so that's a lot of reps. And then your fifth corner needs to be someone who even probably plays a little bit too if you're going in dime or sub packages. So, you know, fourth and fifth corners are not like a backup quarterback or a third-string running back and that they never see the field. It's common uh, to flood the field with defensive backs, particularly when you're light uh, at um, at linebacker, like the Jets are, particularly now with Avery Williamson's injury. I do think we could see more safety-heavy looks. They're carrying five safeties. So, of course, they have Adams and May. Still have Rontez Miles. They added Matthias Farley from the Colts, who does have some starting experience and could be someone who helps try to cover for some of these gaps here. Um, and then they also added Bennett Jackson, who we talked about previously, but not someone who really has any type of serious game experience. Kind of similar uh, to a guy like Mollett, at least with Farley, May, Adams, Roberts, Johnson, Poole. Those guys have been out there. They have the reps. You know, I, The moment shouldn't be too big for them, but you don't want to be in a situation when you're playing Cleveland on Monday night, week two, when you got guys like Bennett Jackson and Arthur Mollett trying to taste, chase around Jarvis Landry, Odell, and, you know, David Njuko. You know, you can do everything else you can, you know, try to keep pace there, but you're really fighting an uphill battle. Um, Regardless, the Jets are going to have to hope that Greg Williams can do what they hired him to do, which is get creative and find a way to coach around some shortcomings on this defense. Sometimes there's not going to be a good answer. Uh, Every team is not going to be Cleveland when it comes to offensive weapons, and even with major problems in the secondary, if the Jets approach it right, they should be able to hang with offenses like a Buffalo, theoretically like a Dallas, or like a Washington. So hopefully this is not something that becomes a repeated reason why this team you know, can't win football games. And it would be a shame to see all that talent on offense, you know, go out and put up, you know, 28, 31, 34 points and still be losing some games because the Jets just can't stop anybody. And 
the problem that the Jets have, and we'll kind of bridge this into the final episode, is that nobody expects you to have a great pass rush and a great secondary. Usually, you want to have one of the two uh, and not be bad at both. And when I'm talking about pass rush, I'm really talking about from an edge rush perspective. And the Jets' edge rush and cornerback group are both significantly below average. So you'd feel okay if one of the two you know, was above league average. You hope it cancels the other out. Really, the bet the Jets are making is that their interior pressure is going to cover for their shortcomings at corner and that Marcus May is going to be healthy and Jamal Adam is going to be first-team All-Pro and they're going to also help cover some of the gaps at corner. And that's a lot to ask because it's hard enough playing safety and it's hard enough being a you know, defensive tackle, defensive end in this Jets scheme. It's a lot to ask these guys to cover for, but that's the bet the Jets have to make this year. They have to say that Jamal Adams, Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams, C.J. Mosley are going to be good enough to compensate for us having to play guys like Matthias Farley, Arthur Mollett, Daryl Roberts, Brian Poole, etc., etc., etc. So the guys who are the headline players on the defense, can they cover for that depth chart at corner, which is, is unacceptably bad, unfortunately, and it's just a mix of the wrong bets in free agency and the lack of attention in drafting. And, you know, there's no easy fixes on this, which is why it was always unrealistic to expect Joe Douglas to go out and spend a second-round pick or a first-round pick on Darius Slay or Jalen Ramsey. You know, those com- those situations were a little more complex and nuanced. And, you know, they're going to want to have homegrown talent at those positions and see if they can make some smart bets in the draft. You know, you've already seen that, you know, this new regime clearly did not think highly of the old regime's assessment ability at cornerback, uh, particularly in the later rounds. Jones gone, Clark gone, Austin right to IR. Um, and I just feel like it's a position that, and I know there's other positions that people are going to flag, offensive line, pass rusher, that's definitely going to be addressed in the first two or three rounds next year, if not potentially the first round, depending on where the Jets pick ultimately lands. You know, not going to be a one-year fix, but can the Jets go from being below average this year, which they're inevitably going to be, to being average and then being one of the better units in the league year over year if they build the right way around Jamal Adams. And that's probably going to lead to them needing to divert some resources that they're spending on inside linebacker and on defensive end to cornerback because they're going to have to work around you know, what is probably a really, really, really ugly Tremaine Johnson contract unless he is the exception to the rule about getting better and more solid when you're older as a cornerback and you're coming off an injury-plagued season and an injury-plagued summer. So look, cornerback is, I think, the weakest spot on this team's depth chart and something they're going to have to overcome along with kicker, pass rusher, and offensive line. Uh, it's on the, you know that negative side, where on the positive side, you feel good about Donald, you feel good about Bell, you feel good about the skill position, talent, and the defensive line. Like any team, there's you know a balance of pros and cons, and corner you know, is definitely that weak spot. So that's going to wrap up today's episode, and then we'll wrap up the series tomorrow, looking at the Jets' pass rush and how they're going to look to manufacture that through blitzing, uh, through their interior defensive linemen, and through what is currently on their depth chart at the edge rusher position.